track so that we're there for so that we're there for um a couple of years like this year we're at the podium in spokane next year we are and then in the third year we're back in albuquerque which is where we were last year so all right well albuquerque that's uh <laughs> you've been you've been to albuquerque before yeah we went twice last year uh we went early february and then our com- indoor conference championship was there last year that place is pretty awesome yeah yeah <laughs> But That's the it. podium, I do have to say, for a $53 million facility, the podium is pretty nice. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, it's it's awesome. Like, it's got a really, really great um, warm-up area behind and under the bleachers. Um, it's it can actually it's a bank track, but then it actually goes flat, so they run the 60 in the middle. Right. And I stood next to that bank as it went up, and as it went down, I didn't hear a thing. It was wild. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. awesome. Well, I am still a, a very, uh, what do you call it? A babe in the woods when it comes to all the indoor stuff. Cause, uh, you know, mm-hmm. we didn't have any out here in California. So yeah. there was a few when I was in high school, there was the Sunkist Invitational, which has long since gone away. And then there was an LA Times indoor. Uh, that was at the sports or I want to say that the old LA sports arena, which I think the mm-hmm. Clippers used to play at. And, um, I just, I had a hell of a time on both of those. They were, you know, uh, too cramped indoor, um, wood surface. So your <laughs> spikes are sinking into the wood and yeah. I just, I could not jump. I just, I, I literally hated it so bad. <laughs> I was like, I don't, I don't get what the attraction is, you know, to be an indoors and jumping. So, um, well, when it's, stories, uh, so. When it's 10, 15 degrees outside and there's snow on the ground, it's, <laughs> it's kind of appealing for us out this right. way. So. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. I've, I've been watching um, a lot of, uh, you know, indoor stuff on my feed. And this is this is what's made me both hungry to do it and curious, um, you know, mm-hmm. seeing kids training indoors back east, obviously. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes I see the meat looks like it's being held on a basketball gym floor, you know, shiny mm-hmm. and, and varnished and everything. And I'm like, well, I'd just be wearing high tops and going to town, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> well, why wouldn't you, you know, that looks like a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. It's the, that's kind of the, that's the funny thing about indoor is every facility we go to is a little bit different. Um, Idaho state still actually has where they hold Simplot. They have their wood track still. Um, for high jump though, they, they have their turf field that they use for their football team. And so they just high jump off of that. Um, and then Weber state, which is up here in Utah, they have an indoor facility. It's a flat track. Um, it's pretty nice. I mean, it's a, it's a good surface, but yeah, everywhere we go is just kind of a little bit different. And that is kind of the, you just got to get to get used to your surroundings. That's why I always have my group like show up two hours early, even if you just sit around for 20, 30 minutes, like get a feel for the environment, get a feel for where everything's at. Yeah. Cause indoor is pretty hectic, like, because they're usually typically held in small spaces. And so there's a lot going on. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of the, the beast of indoor a little bit is just getting used to the feel of everything, especially, you know, high school kids coming from, you know, just all outdoor. Most of these kids maybe do one indoor meet, but I yeah. mean, especially California kids, it's right. all outdoor. And then it's like, Oh, what we're jumping inside. Like it's a little funky <laughs> yeah. at first, but might've been a little easier for Aiden since he'd played basketball, at least indoors. <laughs> yeah. Right? I, yeah. I think that's, that's probably part of it is you, you just used to being in the gym, doing your thing all the time and yeah. you know, you're just high jumping now. So. Yeah. Well, for those of you that are just kind of listening and wondering who it is that I'm talking to, um, <laughs> my name is Troy Haynes, and this is uh, the Sky High and Flight Jump Camps podcast. We call it Raise the Bar, and Mike Ashton is my guest. Uh, this is Mike's second time. He's the, uh, let me make sure I get this right, jumps and multis coach? Uh, vertical jumps and multis, yeah. Vertical so pole jumps. vault, high jump, and the multis. Vertical jumps and multis at Utah Valley. Valley University. Yep. Valley, Utah Valley <laughs> University. UVU. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, uh, and um, yeah, Mike has been um, just awesome. He's a, a, an accomplished pole vaulter and decathlete, correct, in college? Yeah. I Yeah. Pole vault was my main one. 
uh, got thrown into the heptathlon and decathlon while I was in college and then did a myriad of different opens as well. But yeah, both of those yeah. were kind of my main two. A lot of great experience there. So, you know, anytime somebody's done the multi-eventers, then all of a sudden I, I start thinking, you know, eventually head coach long-term, right? You've got just enough knowledge to be dangerous all the yeah. way across. You know, when I was coaching at the high school level, I was kind of getting groomed to become a head coach just because, like you said, I had experience kind of across the board. But yeah. uh, this is my – I'm a year and a half into coaching D1 college and – uh, to be truthful, I don't know if I ever want to be a head coach. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe five, six years down the road, that'll change. But I, I really enjoy doing what I'm doing. Um, there's a lot of extra work that the head coach has to do. Yes. So <laughs> that's, uh, I'm, I'm okay with them taking care of that and me just, you know, being the assistant, helping out where I can. So I, I hear that, um, you know, for years now, I've been coaching since 1988, which was my, uh, Last year, graduated from college, but was already done on the team and uh, started coaching almost immediately. And uh, I ended up doing both football and track, you know, which I did. You told me, had you done a little football also? No, football, football. was never one of my my sports. That was the okay. one that I avoided. And that's why I still have a healthy knees. and stuff. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure there's a few screws knocked loose on me, but, uh, you know, just played high school ball. So it wasn't too bad. But um you know, getting back into it, I, I did love football more, but um, I've found the same kind of thing to be true. I've, I've been a head coach only twice in my career, one time as the uh, head JV coach, even, you know, the head JV coach. And that found out that that was a lot of work, you know, being the administrator, not mm-hmm. my skills <laughs> at yeah. all. So, you know, that in football and then um, just one time, actually twice also in track and field. Um, and yeah, doing, taking care of all the little details and all that and making sure everything comes off without a hitch is definitely harder than just doing your event or events, you know, being the jumps guy. Then it's like, Hey, I just roll in. You know, we do what we do. And it, you need yep. anything else coach. And I roll out. So yeah. tell me where to be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I let somebody else do all the, the real high level thinking for sure. Yep. Yep. That's exactly right. (laughs) I think about that sometimes when they hire these guys, you know, these NFL guys, the the guys that were the assistants that, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, were really good, the good play callers, the good defensive guys. And then they interview for the head job because it it makes sense that you would think this guy could be an excellent head coach. Not always the case. You know, some of those guys were, were way better as offensive coordinators or defensive coordinators or quarterback coach or whatever it was mm-hmm. that caught the attention then when they get put into the limelight and, you know, and lots of things go into that it could be the place and, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the cards you were dealt players or whatever, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough. Like that's why I'm, there's a, the Pat McAfee podcast. I, I watch it and he talked about his old NFL coach. Um, shoot. What's his name? Anyways, they they kind of went through some just like NFL que- like coaching questions, and it was like, what does your culture look like? What would you do to help turn around an athlete with a bad attitude? Like, what would you do in this situation or this? And yeah. it's like, man, a lot of that's situational, and it's, I mean, those would be tough questions to answer, especially if you're going from, you know, one program to another and just say, this is how I would do it. But right. maybe yeah. the GM's like, no, nope, that's not how we do things here. And so... <laughs> Yeah, I think that's kind of the same thing as as it, head coaching at this level too. If you if you're, I mean, assistant coaching kind of as well. You know, you gotta you gotta have kind of a game plan and an understanding of like how you're gonna coach, what type of culture you're gonna set up, and yeah. you know, how you're gonna deal with different situations that you run into. Um, you know, because I actually am I'm coaching for the team that I actually competed for when I was in college, and right. two of the coaches that are on staff were my coaches when I was on the team, and interviewing with with them was kind of interesting just because you know I had I had grown up a lot <laughs> since yeah. I graduated um had gone through some high school coaching and worked other high like in the high school realm and so I really got to see a lot of different things and um I heard this after the fact once I got hired but uh the head coach coach Hull was like after I finished he's like who is this kid like <laughs> this is not right. the kid who left our program yeah. So I'm glad for the experience I had at the high school level. It can be really tough because, you know, I tell my kids all the time, I'm like, at the high school level, I was getting pennies on the dollar 
you know, now at the college level, I'm getting nickels on the dollar. So, yeah. I mean, at least it's a little bit more, but you know, yeah. it, it's definitely a, a, uh, you know, a labor of love is, yeah. is definitely where it's at. And, you know, that's just track and field kind of in general. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, I'm, I'm slowly discovering this after all these years, I <laughs> I've had a couple of people say, you know, why didn't you, why didn't you ever go to, to UCLA? And I'm like, I don't know. You know, I just, my, my career path. I just, once I left, I kind of went and I didn't get back there. And then I had an opportunity to work at um, uh, coach Curran, Anthony Curran had mm-hmm. a, a summer camp. He was used to run the summer camps at UCLA and uh, he invited me to come in and, and do the high jump, you know, for a week. And it was really cool, you know, wandering around the campus and seeing the kids that they recruited and and all that stuff. And at the same time, it was like, man, this is, you know, what they want out of you and what they pay is really not the same. And, uh, you know, like you said, it would have to be a labor of love. And, and I literally couldn't afford it. I, at this point in my career, it'd be, it'd be taking a huge pay cut, I'm sure. So Mm -hmm. I'm, uh, I'm hopeful that uh, now that they're going to be in the big 10, that Mm -hmm. uh, when football switches over there and hopefully track, you know, I don't know what they're going to do with that because, I, I don't even know if they do dual meets anymore. You know, I, I've been out of it for so long. We used to do yeah. dual meets to a point, And then sometimes, you know, early in the season would be quadrangular meets and three and four teams mix them together. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we had some classic duels with uh, Oregon. I think we still have a yearly duel with SC. I don't know how they, how they do their schedules. I'm sure things have changed quite a bit, but um, yeah. I do miss the old dual meets and everything. And, um, but yeah, the um the logistics and the 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 amount that they pay is just like I don't know. Uh, I think it's getting to hopefully getting that football money flowing downhill. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like yeah, because if you're gonna have high level programs in other sports, you better have either a great football program and or a great basketball program to bring in some money. Because let's face it, what's track and field bringing in unless we've got a ton of people watching us on TV, which we don't get, you know, and (laughs) do we pack the stands? No, we don't usually pack the stands. You know, it depends sometimes at a big meet, you know, a big invitational Mount sack, maybe, or the pen relays, Mm -hmm. or you might be able to still have some tradition, pack some people in, but you know, you're not going to see any of that money. The organizers at the top are grabbing all that money, you know? Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's the tough thing with track is, I mean, you can try and, you know, raise team fees to come and join your meet. You can do this and this and this. It's really just got to be a good situation. Um, You know, that's something that we as a coaching staff have been looking at because we're trying to, you know, start looking into getting our own indoor facility where we can actually host, you know, competitions. Yeah. Um, It would be one of the first ones in the state of Utah. That's kind of, we got a banked track. Um, and you know, it's, we look across the nation and we look at Arkansas, we look at the Boston meet that just happened this last weekend. We look at Albuquerque, um, you know, and we try and get the numbers and just see like, would the investment of us as track coaches in our program and the UVU just in general, would it be worth it? Would, how quickly would we make up the money if we just went in bare minimum? Um, And so, you know, those are always the things that we try and keep in the back of our mind and always looking for because, you know, track, like you said, it's, it's, it's tough. Like you don't get the sponsors like you do football, basketball. Um, I feel like in the state of Utah, track is getting better. Um, There's definitely a lot more interest at the high school level. There's some good kids coming out of Utah from the track and field, um, you know, realm. They're not just going straight football or basketball anymore. And so I think it kind of starts at that level. Um, and then as we continue to grow, um, that helps, but you know, there's the old adage of winning solves all your issues and right. winning gets you what you want. And so yeah. that's kind of what, I mean, that's, that's our focus is, you know, conference championships. Um, if we can bring in team ones, if we can bring in a lot of individual conference champions, that's, yeah. that's what really shows, you know, our programs growing and doing really good things. Yeah. Um, I mean, our track program we went D1 in 2008. And so that's not too long in the grand scheme of things. We're pretty, inf- you know, a baby is, you know, right. compared to some of the other programs. And, you know, we have a ton of different team and individual conference championships and all Americans and all that. So we've done a lot with, you know, the, the, the small, you know, 
setup that we do have. Right. And that's, I mean, that's track teams across the country though. You know, it's, sure. it's not just us. So we're lucky to have an indoor facility. So we don't have to train out in the snow or try and find a space in the gym at the school. And right. So it's, you know, it's, <laughs> it's a labor of love. I tell my, my athletes all the time. I'm like, you're welcome for all the things that I did while I was here, because that's why you have what we have now. <laughs> right. They love to hear that. They love oh yeah. To hear that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like a, in my, in my day. Yeah. The, uh... <laughs> yeah. I, I try to avoid doing that as much as possible. Yeah. But there's some times where it's like, Hey, you just got to know, like, you yeah. should be grateful for what we have. Cause you know, I signed in 2008 with UVU. We didn't have a, we didn't have a track on our campus. So we had to go right. train at a high school. We didn't yeah. have indoor, we didn't have a pole vault coach. Yeah. Um, and so it's, you know, at least we're taking steps in the right direction and doing good, good things. So that's like the old, uh, that old Eddie, or uh, I think it was, uh, what Bill Cosby that said, yeah, I used to walk uphill in the snow to school both ways, <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, I killed a, killed a grizzly bear with my loose leaf notebook. And, uh, you know, <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know, yeah, you, you do, uh, appreciate it. There was a Monty Python skit too, where they're like, you know, my, our fathers used to come home and murder us in cold blood every night, you know, and it's like, <laughs> we slept on the floor in dirt. He goes, you had dirt. <laughs> you were yeah. lucky, you know? So it was yeah. like, yeah, but, uh, we have the same thing at Vanguard. We have, you know, um, we use a local, you know, junior college. We're using mm-hmm. their training facilities. We've, we're not going to host a home meet anytime in the future that I can see because they're, they have a very tiny postage stamp campus. There's mm-hmm. no room. I mean, there's, I'm looking at the place now. They've got a baseball field and they've got a gym where they can play basketball and volleyball. So you mm-hmm. guess what the top three sports are? You're in there. I think they've got wrestling also because you got a gym inside. So you yeah. get those and, but there's no football. And so they don't have a lot of money coming in there. And then there's a little training area outside where there's like a mini track and some turf and they have soccer practice out there. And I'm like, I, but I haven't seen a real soccer field. So I'm sure they play on the road all the time. And I'm just yeah. like, okay. And there's a tiny little weight room that's in a tent outside. So it's like, yeah, they're, they're like, you know, I don't know. I think maybe that's the, you know, we're, we're going to train through it and persevere despite it, you know, and you're going to rock and roll. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, when I was, when I was training and I tell my athletes this all the time too, of like, you know, it, we, you know, you can always look at Arkansas or, you know, big schools, like, you know, where they have this awesome facility, they have pros coming all the time mm-hmm. training there too. You know, we, you know, you do, you do what you can with what you got. Um, And it really just comes down to like your mentality of like, it doesn't matter what I have. I can still do the things that I need to do with what we've got. And if there's not, you know, and for me, it's like, if we need something, I'm going to figure out a way for us to get done what we need to get done. Um, You know, cause that's one of the things I brought up from the high school level of like, just being creative of like, how am I going to get this? how are we going to work on these certain technical things in these drills when we don't have the special apparatuses that, you know, whatever school has, like, you just got to get creative. And, you know, I think that when the athletes see my passion for that and the things that I'm doing to help them, they just buy into it and say, you know what, it doesn't matter. Like we're going to go out and we're going to compete and we're going to put down our best and work just as hard as everybody else, even though we don't have, you know, this or that and whatnot. And, right. you know, luckily we're at the school in Utah that it's, it's one of the fastest growing schools in the state of Utah. We have the highest, you know, we have 45,000 students on campus. And so, you know, a lot has changed on our campus wow. since 2008 and it's grown really, really fast. And so, yeah, we, we're just, we're, we're pretty fortunate in the fact that, you know, we do have the things that we do have. Cause I know we run into smaller programs or, you know, D2 JUCOs, right. like, yeah, we were, this is our first time even jumping inside. We've been just doing, you know, ground drills and stuff. So, right. you know, it's, it's the perspective thing of like, I could always be complaining that we need more and more and more, but yeah, you know, hopefully we get to that point. Hopefully we keep growing. We keep showing that we, you know, we have a good program and, you know, these are the things that are going to help us take this to the next level, but we're just going to keep grinding and yeah. doing our thing with what we've got. And, you know, I'm, pretty excited this year we're like i said we're going into conference championships this next week and 
Um, you know, my four high jump boys are in the top or four out of the top seven spots. Um, and 205 is probably going to be the mark to get into eighth, yeah. which is really, really crazy for our the conference that we're in. And it's going to be really competitive. And I told them every time, I'm like, hey, when we go to conference, doesn't matter where you train, doesn't matter, you know, what you've done. It's zero, zero. Everybody's yeah. on this even playing field. We just got to go and take our spots. So there you go. That's said like a football coach. Um, what is the, uh, when you, once you get through that, so you have, that's, that's just conference, right? So mm-hmm. is, there a, is there an indoor national regional? After so that? for indoor, it's just straight nationals. Um, they take top 16 in the country. And so indoors, indoor is really, really tough to get into. Um, you have to be jumping about 220 mm-hmm. um, to be well within the top 16. Sure. Um, I mean, Aiden right now has looked fairly consistent. Um, we've attempted 215 two or three times in a meet. And I think we've just been starting one, maybe two heights too early. Yeah. And so at conference, the plan is, I mean, obviously we want to get a height. We don't want a no height because we want to score points, but sure. hopefully limit his jumps at lower heights so that we can get to 215 and then potentially get to 220 so that we feel. Can he open at two meters or can he open it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, we've been yeah. at, I mean, it's, we've been at 195, 190, you know, three, whatever the progression starts yeah. at or hits. Um, and he's been fairly, like, he's been really consistent. He first height for, or first jump, first jump, first jump. Um, but I think, you know, his stamina coming back from his two year LDS mission is still right. getting better. And so I think, yeah, I just was after the last meet, I was like, Hey, let's start at two meters. Like you're consistent enough yeah. to hit it. Like you're getting good hip height. You're warming up at two meters. Like yeah. let's just come in and do that. And so it's kind of the plan. Uh, for him this next coming week he's he tweaked his ankle just a little bit the last time we were in Spokane but he's doing good now yeah. so just fun old stuff of high jump yeah does he still <laughs> play basketball does he mess around nope. with basketball at all nope nope yeah. nope I at, so at Weber um he wasn't jumping because I was just giving him some recovery and their track does sit around a basketball gym and he was just in there goofing off with the basketball. I was like, nope, we're not doing that. <laughs> not this close to conference. Put yeah. the ball down. I know you want to shoot. I know you're not leaving the ground, but yeah. you just never know. Like, too close yep. to conference. He's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I was, I'm sure you had the same thing. When I was at, uh, at UCLA, we uh, were told not to do anything, you know, outside of what we do. And yep. we we broke those rules all the time. We were going down <laughs> playing basketball, and yeah. I, I stepped on some big galoot's foot one time and rolled it pretty good. Yeah. And uh, you know, I hopped on one foot all the way into the training room and stuck it right into the ice bath. You know that kind of thing. Mm. Um, and yeah. it was, um, you know, it was <laughs> there was always something dumb that you could do. Uh, yeah, when I was when I was in high school, I was a big skier. I had a ski pass. I was going once a week, once every other week, just because snow here in Utah is like the best in the world. Right. And then once I was getting, I went on an official visit to UVU, and they're like, "Okay, if you sign with us, like you're done skiing until you're done." They're like, "If you get injured, like that doesn't mean we can't cut you. That doesn't mean we can't take scholarship right. money from you." And I was like, "Okay, yeah. But yeah, I played, I I played basketball. I did all that stuff. I know yeah. my athletes do it too." And that's why I tell them, I'm like, just don't be dumb. Like, you know that you are not the problem on the court. It's the other kids that aren't as athletic as you. Right. And those are the ones that are trying to live their glory days again. So just be yep. careful. Like, and that's, yeah, I just, I know you have to have some type of outside athletic thing from high jump. So just yeah. be smart. Don't be dumb. And <laughs> well, that's all I can do. All dumb. <laughs> they're all dumb. Because yeah. I, I remember we used to go to, uh, you know, both Poly Pavilion and the Wooden Center at UCLA. And I watched, you know, some of the guys that, that uh, the volleyball players would go in there and play five or six of them on a team, you know, and playing intramurals, <laughs> dumbly mm-hmm. enough, and and balling. I mean, just up above the rim, you know, grabbing rebounds, tomahawking, you know, and, and it mm-hmm. was it was fun to watch. And I remember a couple of times thinking, man, somebody's foot gets landed on and, you know, you can have a a three-time All-American not playing because he rolled his ankle playing volleyball. I had my yep. roommate was a a 52-8 uh, triple jumper, Dwayne, if you're out there, Dwayne Washington. He went to the same high school, and we were uh, roommates as freshmen. 
And he used to roll around with Shane Mack, who was uh, an Olympian, played uh, on the baseball team, uh, U.S. Olympic baseball team, and then was also on the Met. Or no, it was not, not the Mets. He was on the Twins. I know he won at least one world title playing with Kirby Puckett and those guys. Nice. So, and they were, they were both outrageous athletes. And, you know, I saw them playing in the gym one time and, you know, up above the rim doing crazy stuff. <laughs> it was just like, so nobody listened. <laughs> yeah. It's tough. Cause you're in the best athletic shape that you're ever going to be. Yeah. And you just want to kind of let things loose and just get yeah. after it. I mean, yep. you know, when I was in college, I could reverse, reverse dunk from the opposite side of the key. I could yep. two hand like, and when you've played basketball your entire life, you're just like, I've got to, this is yeah. when I'm at my best. So Absolutely. It's, it's funny. I have conversations with them all the time. I'm just like, don't, don't do anything like, <laughs> don't do what I did. Season, <laughs> yeah. Don't do what I did. <laughs> all of us coaches know you do it. So don't lie to me when <laughs> I know you did something, but just, just be yeah. smart. Like, yeah. don't go crazy. It's so, so funny. Coaching is just like parenting, right? It's like oh, 100%. trying to teach you to not do what we did, which was dumb. And we admit yeah. it. Right? You know? Yeah. It's almost like I know what I'm doing because I was dumb and got hurt myself. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But yeah, my high jumpers love playing basketball. My pole vaulters love rock climbing. And so it's yeah. just. Well, the know. pole vaulters have to be, I, I tell everybody this. I, I'm wondering if you agree. I'm sure you do. But I tell all, all the guys that are going to pole vault, like you have to be a little bit crazy. You know, there, there's gotta be some daredevil in there. It, it mm-hmm. does not attract the milk toasties. You know, the, the milk toasties are going to look at the pole and think that looks really fun, but no way. There's no yeah. way I'm doing that. And then you're going to get somebody who really doesn't have the right skill set sometimes, but they're like, I think I'm just going to go for it. <laughs> you know, They just go charging down there. You know, it's like, you have to have, because high jumping, believe it or not, is a lower version of that. Because there mm-hmm. are some people that, you know, after one bad experience, maybe they landed on the bar or maybe, mm-hmm. you know, the bar gets up higher than their head. I've had jumpers that will not pull the trigger anymore. Mm-hmm. Like they get to heights that they just won't attempt. <laughs> you have mm-hmm. someone to run through like four times in a row and you're like, hey, you got to take a <laughs> jump here. They're going to time you out, you know? And, it's yeah. like, and then they just... They go, that's it. I'm not, I'm done. I'm just like, uh, okay, well. <laughs> well, I, I call my, my pole vault crew, the cardiac kids. Cause I've already had two, three experiences so far where I've had kids almost land on the ground face first. And it's just, you know, and that's like, as a pole vaulter myself, like that was always, the time where like my brain would kick in and be like, you got to get back on the runway right now. You can't think, get your step, grab a smaller pole. And just, even if you miss, like take one up because it's such a, you ride such that edge of like pushing the limit of like, this could be safe if this goes well, if anything's off, like I'm going to have to hold on for dear life to try and land on the pit. And it's, yeah, I mean, you have to have the, the send it mentality. Like, if the pole is becoming too small, if it's not stiff enough, if you're not getting the pop off the top, that's the biggest pole you've ever jumped on at practice or in meets. It's like, okay, you got to grab the next one or else we're not doing anything. And yeah, I think, I think pole vaulters do just have that, like that ability to switch the safety off on your brain and just go yeah. for it. Um, it definitely takes time. You definitely have to be confident in what you're doing. And yeah, uh, yeah there's a, I have a couple of kids that, one kid before I started coaching, he actually broke his back in in practice. He landed basically in the box. Oh. Luckily, he didn't do it bad enough where he was up walking three weeks later, and he yeah. still compete for us. <laughs> right. But I mean, I've seen him do some stuff and just push that limit of like, oh man, this is good. <laughs> and every time somebody's sitting on the mat and he's about to go, I'm like, you might want to move. Like, I don't know what's gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but oh, I mean. He's, he's one of those kids that he'll do that. And then he's like, I'm good. Get back on the pole, get back on the step and go again. And, you know, sometimes I, yeah, like, like I said, that's why I call them the cardiac kids. Cause I feel like the pole ball coat as a coach, you see all worst case scenarios when they're up in the air and they're like not going anywhere. And then they land and you're like, Oh, okay. We're good. Right. Now <laughs> so. that, bringing that, you know, me being a, a, 
up and coming, I'm hoping pole vault coach learning on the fly uh, and mm. listening to everything that I can. What do you, what do you teach your, your vaulters? And this is a, a good question. I think for, for those of you out there listening to raise the bar, um, what would be the thing that you would tell your vaulters? Like if you get in to trouble, <laughs> right. What do you do? <laughs> like, depending on the situation, is it, is it just like, and hold on and pray or what What do you teach them to hold the pole, hold on to the pole. Um, yeah. you watch any crazy pole vault video on YouTube where somebody's doing something nuts. It's usually because they let go of the pole early. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have, I have a multi, he is six, three, about two Oh five. Like he's a big boy. Yeah. And every time he goes up and he's getting on some stiff, stiff poles and, you know, for him, it's just you, you wait for that pole to start to recoil and then you just throw your weight towards the mats. Um, you know, cause one time when I was in college, I was, we were down at, um, SDSU. So San Diego state. Yeah. And we were just warming up and, you know, multis are, multis are the scariest because they're, you know, not as experienced most of the time. Right. And so I watched this, this kid from BYU just go up, got stood straight up. The pole was right above the box. He let go and his knee just went into the oh. box and just blew everything out. And oh. yeah, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty bad. <laughs> right. But I mean, yeah, just holding onto that pole and trying to throw your feet and throw your weight one way or the other towards the mat so that you can yeah. land safely. Um, that's usually my first go of like, don't let go of the pole early. If you yeah. have to do anything, hold on too long. Yeah. Um, and then we can, you know, work on letting go earlier, but yeah, I've watched, especially at the high school level, I've watched a lot of kids just, they're on that verge of doing something not super smart. And, you know, luckily we have a lot better pole vault coaches. Now, a lot of athletes that are getting into pole vault coaching, it's, it's really, I think started to make things a lot better, but yeah, I've seen I've seen some crazy things in pole vault. I mean, yeah. all the videos I get sent them all because all my family and friends know I was a pole vaulter, and so right. I'm like, yeah, I've seen that in real life. Like I've seen a kid rip his hand open and you know blow knees out and land on the ground and yeah. all that stuff. And yeah, you just it's have crazy. To have screw loose. <laughs> I was uh, I'm a product of Long Beach Millican High School, and Long Beach Millican High School actually has a decent uh, string of athletes that have gone not just to UCLA, but a lot that went to UCLA. The guy that had the the school record before my teammate broke it was a guy named Rory Katinik, who was jumped six, nine and three quarters at UCLA or at Millican and then went to UCLA and was a, a seven, four, five high jumper and a really good javelin thrower. So he went and then we had the Tullys. So both Mike and, and Steve Tully went to Long Beach Millican and, you know, Mike was an Olympian and Steve, his brother vaulted 18 two and went to Long Beach city and still coaches locally at, at Los Alamitos high school. Um, he's supposed to be a podcast guest coming up and nice. hard to pin him down. Um, but <laughs> I saw Mike when I didn't even know who he was, I was, had come back to school at, at Millican. I had already left also, like I said, my roommate and my Dwayne Washington both went from Millican to UCLA also. So there was quite this group and, I saw Mike Tully come back one day because our pole vault pits were always open. And I was introduced to the pole vault as a sophomore by the coaches having the high pole vault pits out and the poles were on the ground. And that was it. Like we were like, here you go, just run, run down the runway and whatever happened. And I was still like, Oh, this is so much fun. And it was like, I just couldn't wait to try it. You know, I'd seen it on TV and, uh, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I can watch and copy pretty good. And we had a guy in front of me who was a 15 footer. So I was like, okay, you go you know, like this and <laughs> just kind of hold on. So anyway, I'm watching and I didn't know right away that it was Mike Tully, but I see this big guy come out and he's got work on, Hey, that's Tully over there. Oh yeah. And within two vaults, he's running down nice plant rocks back and the pole just explodes. Right. He does two somersaults, lands in the pit, and uh, everybody's just kind of watching, you know, and he he gets up, kind of dusts himself off, <laughs> picks up the three pieces of the pole, throws them over there, goes walking to his bag, slides out another <laughs> pole, goes back to yep. the other way and goes, 
like this, you know, and like mm-hmm. didn't even, didn't even, it was like, uh, you had the feeling like this is not the first time that's happened <laughs> because yeah. it was just like, Oh, I guess I broke a pole, you know, and I'm yeah. sitting there thinking, what if you landed on that thing? And, you know, like impaled <laughs> yourself. And I'm like, mm-hmm. who knows all the, the I've, I'm praying that's never happened, of course, but I'm just like, Oh my gosh, yeah. those splintery pieces flying around. I'm like, that's gotta be kind of crazy. Yeah. And when those poles break indoor, it's like, it sounds like a gunshot. Everybody just like stops, everything freezes. And it's, it's pretty, it's pretty gnarly. Like it's pretty scary when that happens. Cause yeah, you just don't know. Like once that thing breaks, it's like, whatever happens, happens now. Like who knows where the pieces um, are going. Jagged edges. yeah, Yeah. There was a BYU girl. Was it, it was when I was vaulting. Um, and she, maybe it was when I was vaulting maybe it was last year I can't remember but she went up broke the pole and it it vibrated so hard in her hand that it had like actually torn open her palm like it massive cut through just because there was so much force and energy going through it and it just ripped her hand up and I had never seen that before I was like that's that's bananas like right (laughs) so I mean but yeah it's pole vault's one of those ones where I think that just because there's so many different variables that, you know, I, I mean, I'm going to throw my hat in the debate of, you know, which <laughs> event is the toughest. And right. I think, I mean, pole vault's definitely got to be up there because you have so many different variables. You have the poles that you're working with, um, you know, and then once you get it to outdoor, you're dealing with the weather just like everybody else. And yeah, it's, it's one of those that every meet you go to, like, it, there's at least a good chunk of the crowd at least watching because they're like what crazy what's something sure. crazy is going to happen today so yeah well yeah. when i was competing um back in the dawn of time uh 30 years ago uh you know sergey bubka was uh, you know very what i would call it frequently breaking his own world record mm-hmm. at the time and um i remember he was one of the the russians that was a true capitalist because he was, you know, born in the wrong country, basically. He was, mm-hmm. you know, he's a communist, but he figured out the capitalist system, which was we reward you every time you break a world record. So yep. he and uh, the other one that I remember was Vasily Alexeyev, who was the guy that used to be on the the wide world of sports. You'd see him every week in the montage. Huge, yep. super heavyweight and big, fat, super heavyweight. But he was like. <laughs> you know, a clean and jerk guy. So he was cleaning, jerking like 575 pounds and be like up here and boom, you know, and he would break his own world record by a quarter of, I don't know how they broke it up. I mean, it it could, he was going up by the smallest increment that he could go up because every time he broke the world record, he would get paid. And so Bubka was doing the same thing. He was going up literally a centimeter at a time, you know, and, and extending and he broke his own world record like an unbelievable number of times. I don't know what he got mm-hmm. to. But I think that I heard one time that he both he and Alexia were trying to break their own world record like a hundred times. Yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of how that's kind of how track contracts work. I mean, Usain Bolt was kind of the same way, you know, when mm-hmm. he was doing his thing. You know, you watch him run the hundred and he's looking around and slowing down the last like five meters, and you're like, What the like you could have just yeah. totally like blown it out of the, the record, yeah like hey you know let's save that for another day kind of thing right right. once you realize how contracts and everything work you're like that makes sense like that got to get that cash and get that payday for sure and you know you just i think i think there's a there's a businessman side of it too of like i'm just going to keep everybody on their toes like nobody knows how fast i can actually run and so every time i go in like everybody's got to see oh man what's he going to do this time and i think you know, Mondo, Mondo's definitely kind of that way too of like, he's jumped, I think he broke Bubka's record of consecutive times over six meters. He's like jumped six meters consecutively the most times out of anybody in the world. Right. Um, which is wild. But um, yeah, I mean, every time he jumps, he comes in at six meters or just below and everybody else is struggling to to get to that. And like he had his his Mondo Classic meet and he won by like two or three heights and he was attempting world record again and yeah uh, you know he he is just 
he's been doing this for so long. Like I tell my athletes this all the time. The reason why he can do what he does is because he's been doing it since he can walk. Like right. you, the way you walk and run, that's how he pole vaults. Like he just, it's so natural to him and his approach has been refined over so many years. And he's just, he's going to keep breaking and breaking and breaking. But uh, I think it's done a really, really good thing for pole vault. It's really put pole vault on the dead center of like the stage because I feel like every year there's more and more kids and more and more clubs right. popping up all over. So it's, yeah, pole vault's definitely evolved and changed in the last, you know, six, seven years since he kind of came on the scene. He's uh, I, I saw one of his vaults the other day and, you know, um, for those of you out there, my guest on uh, raise the bars is Mike Ashton from uh, Utah Valley university. And um, he was, uh, you've been, you know, sharing a lot of videos of your vaulters and, and different things with me. And then I just saw on Instagram, uh, I think it was a Mondo vault. It just popped up on my feed, which is one of the things I love about Instagram. Cause when I'm going, <laughs> when I first get on there, usually something starts coming across the screen. So sometimes I'll see one of the athletes that I know doing something or a coach or whatever, I'll see a drill. And this time I just happened to see Mondo, I think. And it was like a, a full slow motion of all the things that we've been talking about. And it was actually, it was so slow that I literally saw each one of those seven phases go through, mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, and everything was perfect. You know, you're watching going, okay, this has to happen before this. And then this has to happen before that. There's no changing the sequence. You know, if you do one mm-hmm. thing, it's going to affect the others like a domino. So you're like, okay, I get it now. And I shared that with a couple of, of my vaulters and they were like, oh yeah, I get you're talking about <laughs> this here. You know, it's like, Cause it's just so slow and going through, I'm like, okay. So the question that I had for you, I was just thinking was with the pole vault and with the, you know, modern technology now and all the training and, and everything else. First of all, I know Bubka used to be, I heard that he could run like a 10, 400 meters with a pole in his hands, right? Super fast. And I've heard Mondo is kind of the same. So knowing what you got going with the athletes, their size, their speed, and polls now, I'm assuming, have done nothing but get better in the last 30 mm-hmm. years. What do you think is the top end of somebody, you know, how high <laughs> can they go? How high can they vault? Uh, I mean, we got to break the 21-foot barrier first, which I think Mondo is going to be the first one to do it. Um, I think he, he, he is the one that's going to break that. And I even just this year in pole vault at the college level, it's gotten like, I think there's four or five guys in the nation that have jumped over 19, right. which, you know, 10 years ago, it's like, there's maybe one guy pushing 19. Right. The rest are like within 18 and then even 17 is, is like super good. But now like just this last weekend in New Mexico or two weekends ago in New Mexico, um, his name is Sandre. I can't remember how to say his Guterson. He's out of Princeton. He jumps for um, Norway. He's, you know, done his thing international level and he's at Princeton and he's a senior this year. And he jumped, uh, he jumped four or five, I think it's 590. It's just like, it's like, that's so wild that there's so many people and that the marks are just getting better and better. I mean, even at, even at UVU, like we've never had the, the level of talent in pole vault that we do now. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have guys, consistently pushing over five meters like multiple we've always had maybe one guy that's been pushing over five and doing really well but now we have a group of guys that are just and i think with with instagram and social media it's just making things more available um i hear i talk to recruits all the time and talk to high school kids all the time from like idaho and montana and different places they're like yeah, my dad, you know, bought these old pits and we've got it set up in the barn and we're just doing some basic drills and short approach stuff. And when it's winter, I can only do three, four step because I don't want to be outside. So (laughs) I just think the accessibility is going to push. I mean, 21 is definitely the next big, big like Mark, but I think, I think there's going to be some phenom coming out where there's going to jump, you know, 20 mid 21, 22 on the girls side. There's those two twins out of Washington that are seniors this year. And uh, the one girl, the one sister has jumped 15, one, wow. and the other has jumped 14, like 10, 14, 11. And she's the first girl ever under U 20 to jump that high. And they're, they're, you know, talking about how she's the female Mondo of like, she's yeah. going to go into college and win and 
she's already gone unattached to like pro meets and is taking decent, you know, places there. And so it's just, I think just like with high jump, you know, the first person to break seven, then you see a bunch of people jump at seven, you know, four minute mile. Um, you know, this last weekend at Boston, there were like 20 runners under four minutes at that meet in indoor. And so, yeah, once you see somebody just keep pushing and pushing, like it just kind of breaks that barrier and everybody else is going to kind of follow. So I don't know. It's hard to say. I think 21 is definitely doable in the next little bit for him. Um, It really just kind of depends on how far he wants to keep pushing. So what uh, this just popped in my head, but what is the the deal now with poles and and how they react as they get longer? Because you and I both know if if you're holding on a pole and you're holding down lower, it's stiffer. So the Mm -hmm. longer something is, and, and, you know, this is a logic thing too. I mean, if you, anybody could take something like a stick and you take a long stick and you break it and you're like, Oh, that was easy. And then you take that half and you try to break that. It's like, uh, that's kind of stiff, you know, and, and the shorter it gets, the harder it gets to bend. So the longer these poles get, I keep picturing, well, they're going to be, they're not necessarily easier to bend because you can make them thicker as they're mm-hmm. longer. Cause you don't want them to just bend because <laughs> then you're <laughs> linging them all over the place. But like, cause I, I've seen these guys that are casting off, you know, mm-hmm. making 18 feet and it looks like they're, their arms extending down to a, a pole that's only like 15, six or maybe 16 feet long, you know? So mm-hmm. I'm thinking, you know, when these poles get to 19 or 20 feet, and somebody's <laughs> able to, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I'm wondering how that, how that all works together uh, too. I mean, uh, I'm not the scientist of pole vault. I'm not the physics guy, mm-hmm. but um, you know, there is actually some basic understanding of like, a lot of times if you're holding, if you're like capping a pole or if you're at the very top and you're not getting it to move fast enough to vertical, dropping a grip or two down is actually going to make it a little bit stiffer, like you said, but it's going to make the speed of the pole move faster right. because your speed doesn't have to travel up on such a high arc. Yeah. Simple layman terms for every pole vaulter coach that's out there. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but I mean, the speed is a big, big thing that I think a lot of high school kids are starting to realize and see like, you know, Mondo, like you said, he, I've heard, I don't, I've never seen a video. I've never seen a mark, but he can run a 10, 500. Um, now if that's with a pole or without it, you know, right. Mid, well, yeah, it's still you know, fast. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's still, he's still got a lot of speed. And yeah. I think for him, being able to transition all of that speed into more of a vertical takeoff is what's making it easier for all these athletes to start getting on longer poles. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, the top guys in the country are jumping on five meter poles at minimum, Um, you know, just because that's, you're getting all that push off off the top, which is great, but you got to have a pole that's going to be stiff enough. That's going to react the way you want it to. Right. and so I think um, the the club coach out of uh, Washington who coaches the two twin girls that are, you know, the best in the country, he just did a podcast and I saw a clip of him talking about, you know, if you want to jump to these certain heights, you got to be on these length of poles and this type of flex pole, like, because you're not going to get there from jumping on a 15 foot pole. Right. Um, it's just not physically possible. I mean, you can max out, as much push off the top as possible. But if, if there's another vaulter that's getting, you know, maybe two feet of push as opposed to three, like, and they're on a five meter pole, that's, you know, the difference that's making it. And so um, the tough thing with poles is every, there's a lot of different brands out there now. um, And every pole manufacturer does their flex, you know, measurement of how stiff the pole is differently. Yeah. And so like, for example, like spirit poles, UCS spirit poles, those are the ones we typically use. I feel like they have the most like even bend and recoil and the timing is very like pretty even. Mm-hmm. Um, pacers are notoriously a little bit stiffer. Um, they're a little bit bulkier. Um, but man, when they recoil, they recoil. Um, and then kind of the big fad right now with a lot of high school kids is the carbon fiber, like Essex poles. Um I think they're great. There's a lot of pros that jump on them that do 
obviously really good things. There's a lot of college athletes that do good things on them. Um, their bend is a little bit longer, but their recoil seems to be a little quicker and faster. Mm -hmm. Um, and so really it's, it's just all about the vaulter figuring out the timing of those, um, because, you know, most colleges have a brand that they stick with for the most part. Um, right. you know, we've got a big selection of UCS spirit poles. Um, we have some pacers and then we actually have some power force carbons that we have. Um, and you just got to get the timing and the feel down of every pole. Um, yeah. they're a little bit different. And then as you go up length, the timing is a little bit different. You know, the bend is going to take a little bit longer. You got to drive into that pole a little bit longer. Yeah. So you can move it just a little bit more. Um, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. Um, you know, like right now going into conference, my I've been working with my my pole vaulters on like, okay, we need to be on 15-7 poles at minimum. Um, and then my girls, it's we got to get to, you know, 14-foot poles just so that we can have give ourselves a shot because you guys aren't perfect every single time off the top of the pole. So you want to give yourself the best shot to – yeah. launch yourself up there and just give yourself a go at higher heights. So it's, that's, I mean, that's all the stuff that goes on in my brain when I lay right. down at night and I can't go to sleep of like, man, yeah. what pole progression do we need to get on? Yeah. This kid's moving this pole really well. Should we take the jump to 16 foot poles? Like, yeah. and then you got flex numbers you got to worry about and just a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's bewildering. I, I remember when I was watching Curran, um, you know, he's, He's one of the best I've seen and one of the few that I've seen. But, I, you know, I, I was lucky enough to be around him when he was a, a first year coach and I was at UCLA my first year. So I'm a I'm a freshman coming in and he's literally like the next step from a graduate assistant. I think they just gave him the job. I don't think that I'd have to ask him. I'm not sure if he was a graduate mm -hmm. assistant or not, but he was the pole vault guy from that point on. Uh, I knew a lot of the pole vaulters and I got to listen to him and his philosophies and, you know, the explanations and everything. But, um, you know, after having been there for four years and then leaving and not being around forever. And then finally, one of the schools that I was at, I was walking by at our league finals and and some kids were pole vaulting. And I was like, the the previous school that I worked at didn't have the pole vault. They were too. uh too afraid of litigation and problems with it mm -hmm. or whatever. So, you know, I, it wasn't even around. So I, I was like, you guys have pole vault here? And he goes, well, we have it at the conference meet. Um, and it's only if somebody has somebody that they want to vault. And I go, oh, and I go, well, what's keeping us from doing it? He goes, we don't have anybody that can coach it. And I go, I did it. I did it in high school. I'll coach it, you know. And as soon as he, I said that, he's like, well, we could get a couple points at the conference meet. Maybe that'll help us win. I go, well, Let's find some guys. So, you know, from that point on, I, my other side of my brain goes, okay, you do remember that you vaulted in high school in like <laughs> 1982 and it's now 2012, <laughs> like 30 years later. Right. And I'm like, uh, yeah, but I remember all those things Curran told me. And then I was like, Oh, Curran. Mm -hmm. So I went and went to some of his clinics and what I saw there was just mind bending for me because he was constantly changing stuff. You know, it was like, okay, you need to move back four inches, put your hand grip up two, and blah, blah, blah. You need to get rid of that pole. You need to go go find that one, you know, that 165 in the – go get that one. And he's mm -hmm. just like, you know, there's seven people on the runway, and he's just – everyone was a different thing, you know, and it's just constant. <laughs> do this, do that. And I'd be like, okay, wait, why would you tell him to move back? And then what? why is he moving up a pole? You know, <laughs> I was like – I, for those of you that are out there that, that haven't watched the pole vault or haven't really paid attention to it, it is just bewildering how many things actually go through the mind of a pole vault coach. And then, you know, to see the thing that I really enjoy about the pole vault, watching it and having coached it just at, at the barest minimum levels right now, is that there's such a sense of community. Um, we, when I went to CIF prelims here in California with this one vaulter that I had, he, he, you know, the big thing was he came in second in our league or he either won or came in second. Well, there were two guys there. <laughs> so he came in <laughs> second. So that qualified him to go to CIF and his best mm -hmm. ball at that time was like 10 feet. And we go to CIF and CIF, the opening height was like 11, six or something. Right. And so, but we'd been going 
consistently, I was just taking him to see current basically. I mean, I was his coach. And so the other days that we did stuff, we did drills that, you know, coach Kern was teaching me to do. So I would go, okay. And, and I got a pretty good eye so I could remember the point of the drill and we'll do this. And we just kept figuring it out. And then Chan, uh, when this kid that I had from Irvine, just, he went to this meet and just had a monster meet. He, he vaulted 11, six, 12, 12, six. I, I can't remember if they were going up in six inch increments or four, but he was, he basically just kept PRing and he went from dead last. He was the last qualifier and if he'd have made his last vault, he would have snuck into the top nine and made it to CIA finals, which was amazing. It was one of the That's best awesome. performance I've ever seen out of anybody. He did five PR jumps in a row or something. And, wow. um, but that wasn't the big point. And I'm not trying to say that I was a good coach. Cause like I said, most of that was current. <laughs> so the point was, is that as we were there, first of all, I used to, I've been in serious trouble my whole career for being the guy that videos and the guy that that the refs will come after saying you can't be doing that you can't be showing the video well we're there so i'm not videoing everybody because i'm used to getting yelled at in the high jump for doing just that and i noticed these one guy had gone through and vaulted and missed and him and his coach are sitting there looking at his phone and obviously looking at the video and they're like two feet away from the guy running the thing and i'm going wait so i walk up to the official i said is it okay for us to show video to our athletes he's like yeah like uh, they're, if they're going to possibly kill themselves, you can show them <laughs> video. Right. I'm like, yeah, good to know. Thank you very much. And I go, does it matter where? And he goes, just try not to be in anybody's way. And I'm like, okay, that's good to know too. And so when I get back there, I'm like, Jen, come here. <laughs> I'm like, look at the video. And then, you know, every time somebody would PR, everybody knew it. Like mm -hmm. all these people would cheer. I'm like, and there's, there's like, I don't know how many different schools there, but when you throw 36 kids together at CIF prelims, they're from all kinds of schools all mm -hmm. over the place. And so, and they're mostly by size, you know, they go divisions one through four and it depends on how many students you have, blah, blah, blah. There's like, there's people from all over there. I'm like, how could they know who these people are? It didn't even matter. They got, the guy would be like, Hey, that was so-and-so's PR. And I'm like, awesome. You know, and, and people, yeah. they just pull for each other. It's like, I'm not used to that. You know, I'm used to when I was jumping in high school, I knew who the other guys were, the ones that were really good. You know, you'd go to the big invites or whatever. And we'd like, hey, man, what's up? You know, and, and we'd talk for just a few minutes. And then it was like, man, it was game on, you know, <laughs> like mm -hmm. I had yeah. my chair and my towel and I would sit down and like, I didn't, I didn't hang around with everybody else and buddy, buddy. And yeah. it was like, I was focused on what I was doing. And I've noticed overall that's kind of changed in the last few years, but really in the pole vault, I've, I have not seen anybody being like and uh, i could have just missed it you know someone being kind of one of those over the top type a jerks to everybody else but mostly i've seen just like that sense of community like hey you know let's let's go for it maybe it's the fact that we could die at any moment you know <laughs> or whatever but well i think it comes from because we kind of talked about that before like pole vault is i feel like it draws just a different it's just a different crowd. Like, yeah. you know, I always feel like at least when I was pole vaulting and I've heard this before, like every pole vaulter that kind of started out back in the day was like, Oh, it was that surfer kid that like just kind of didn't have anything. And he found this and this was just his jam. And, right. you know, and I think that all those guys are now coaching and that's how they set it up. And, yeah, every high school meet you go to, like, even if a kid is just jumping like nine, six, you know, it's and it's their PR, like everybody goes crazy. And yeah, I think it's just the the nature of, of the pole vault community, like, because a lot of kids that get into pole vault, you know, girls, mostly they're coming from gymnastics, they got too big, they got too tall, right? You know, whatever it is, they're like, this is an easy transition, because this is kind of the same thing. It takes a lot of body awareness. Um, yes. And so they kind of have that like built in daredevil because they just, they have a little bit more body awareness and they know what they're doing. Yeah. You know, guys, I think in high school, you see somebody pull ball and you're like, okay, I got to at least give that a go and see what this is all about. And then you just get addicted to it. And, yeah. you know, it's, it turns into this, like, you're not competing necessarily against each other. You're just competing against yourself. Yeah. And, you know, I think, yeah, like you said, track has kind of taken that on a little bit more than it used to be. I remember, you know, me pole vaulting and 
probably because I came from other sports too. I always had a chip on my shoulder. Um, I wasn't the most friendly person to talk to when I was an athlete. Yeah. Cause it was like, no, I'm locked in. I'm doing this. Like I'm going to, I'm going to beat everybody. Like that was always my mentality trying to go right. and be like, I'm going to win the meet. Um, I don't care if somebody jumps 18, maybe they know how I, I got to give my best every day, you know? Yep. But I think now it's, you know, you got to, they, they, especially pole vault, it's really become like a, we're shooting for our best. What is your best? And, yeah. you know, I think that's a really, really good foundation to have because then you're not trying to compare to other people as much and you don't get depressed when like, Oh, yeah. another kid jumped 19 feet this weekend and I'm only at, you know, 14, yeah. six, 15. But I think, you know, at the college level, you do have to have that kind of like, especially when we go into conference championships, when we're trying to win, it's like, yeah. no, you gotta, you gotta have that little bit of competitive, like drive and that juice to be like, nah, I just need to come out and beat some people today. Right. But yeah, pole vault's a funky community. Like um, if you ever get the chance, I haven't been, I've heard amazing things about it. Um, it's called the summit in Reno where UCS spirit is located that's where they make their poles right they have a big summit every single year in january there's like 16 pits set up and it's ranges from brand new like middle school kids that are just starting out to like elite level pros that show up and yeah a bunch of clubs from all over the country go to that meet and it's just this big community of like we're all a little crazy we all pull vault like we all love this sport and we're just all yeah. gonna have a good time this weekend and see what this sport just can continue to grow into. And yeah, that's, it's a, it's definitely, definitely a different crowd. Uh, but I think it's, it's definitely good for the sport. And I think it's just making it more accessible and a little less daunting. Right. All right. Well, Hey, Mike, I, I really appreciate your time. Um, yeah. We're going to, we're going to have to wrap up, but I, <laughs> yeah. Um, again, you making yourself available um, has just been a, a blessing, unbelievable blessing for me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're, you're kind of, I feel like we're a, a Utah Valley West, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah. like running through you. So, you know, you've helped me tremendously with mm -hmm. uh, my understanding of the vault and uh, the kids are, you know, appreciative of the stuff that, you know, and I'm, I'm the first to just go, I'm not taking any credit for this. I keep shoveling your <laughs> way. So um, I'm, I'm definitely a, a fan and disciple and uh, just appreciate the the back and forth. So yeah. let's keep that rolling and uh, good luck at your guys' big meet. Yeah. Uh, thanks. Yeah. I, it's been, it's been great communicating with you. I'm glad I can work through some pull vault stuff with you just for me too. Mm -hmm. um all the high jump stuff you've been doing and all the advice and things you send me to has been great it's just you know kind of helped me out when i run into a roadblock and you know i i mean floating the idea out there maybe we do a camp in the summer maybe i, like I come out to socal yeah for a weekend you come up to utah <laughs> i like it do our thing out Absolutely. here yeah we'll have to we'll have to see if we can get something worked out I think but be great. It's, yeah, yeah it's been great i really enjoyed everything i don't mind you send me videos because i'm all about it i'm yeah. a junkie so absolutely great to see your kids kind of get better and progress and just do their thing so i tell you the chris uh watson the 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 kid we were talking about the one day he had he made like five heights in a row <laughs> you know he's just like and he had vaulted a, a little bit in high school but he was we were stuck on a couple of things and then, you know, you showed me that drill that, that got him straightened out. And then mm -hmm. we haven't tried the one yet with the lighter pole to keep yeah. the arm extended because I, I didn't realize, like you said, is if it's that stiff, how it, you know, his, his elbow <laughs> is out in front of the pole. I'm like, isn't that supposed to be here? So that's why I was yeah. asking that question, you know, was like, <laughs> but that makes sense because, you know, what did you show me that guy with the super bendy pole and he's mm -hmm. going, you go here and then you just rock back. I'm like, well, yeah, that's how you demonstrate it. But I, I never made the connection like, oh, well, then if we pick a little bit smaller pole, then he could actually do that. And it, we were just on two step of a pole for that, you know, however mm -hmm. long the run was or whatever. But, yeah, it's it's moving. It's moving mm -hmm. along. That's good. Well, hey, um, when when is the big meet? It's this next um, week? Next week. Uh, we fly to Spokane Wednesday. We compete uh, Friday, I think the 24th and the 25th. So and that's the Big West Championships? Uh, WAC. So Western WAC. Athletic WAC. Conference. That's yeah. right. That's right. The WAC. Yeah. Then, and Aiden is going back for the first time since he won it. 
couple of years yeah, ago? Yeah, going back for the first time. Um, he was number one in the conference until this last weekend. A couple of dudes out jumped him, and he's – I already talked to him about it. He's like, oh, I know. I'm upset about it. So yeah. we'll settle that when we get there. I'm like, that's exactly right. what I wanted to hear. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, send me some videos, man. I'll, I'll get you guys – I will. Get you guys on there, and uh, we'll we'll talk it up. Give me the results and all that, and we'll we'll, we'll make a, a good post out of it. Okay, all right, sounds sir. good. All right, thanks for your time we'll again, talk Mike. To you later. Yeah, all right, course. bud. You too. Okay, bye. Bye. And that was it with uh, Mike Ashton, my uh, new found friend from uh, Utah Valley University. Uh, he is uh, the multis and. Uh, vertical jumps coach. He is uh, working with one of my former athletes that I worked with out here, uh, former Edison high grad, um, Aiden Garnett, who uh, went to the state finals his senior year and came in sixth. And um, he went to Utah Valley and he he PR'd at the state meet, jumped six, seven. And then at Utah Valley, his freshman year, he jumped um, seven feet at the, the, whack final and won the indoor championship as a freshman. Um, but the weird thing about that was, is he PR'd like three times and he sent me those videos. And I, I do believe I made a post out of that, um, way back. So, um, he's, he had gone on a, a Mormon mission for a couple of years. And so this is actually just his, uh, sophomore year, but he's looking to, uh, repeat as champ. So wishing him the best of luck. And, um, that's going to do it for us here on raise the bar. I'm your host, Troy Haynes. Uh, We look forward to talking to you again soon. Um, My next guest is my former coach at UCLA, Steve Lang. He uh, has been continuing to coach for all these years since since I left. And uh, he's a very accomplished coach, does amazing things with the the kids that he gets. Every seems like every year I talk to Steve, he has a 6'10 or 7-foot jumper from somewhere. And um, just a great guy and a lot of great insights. Um, He's good friends with John Smith, who's one of the best uh, sprint coaches in the world. So we'll be doing a lot of name dropping and a lot of uh, enjoying uh, talking. So we look forward to that. And until then, this is Troy Haynes signing off. We'll talk to you next time here on Raise the Bar.